You are now listening to the Let's Talk Real podcast, the podcast that brings you honest and authentic perspectives on different topics within our society. Now, let's talk real. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Real. I am your host, Kiana Jalili, and today is joining us Jacqueline Huynh. Hi, guys. How are you, Jackie? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course, it's an honor. Jackie and I actually met back in summer school, summer school 2019. No, um, it was 2000. Was it 2019? Yes, it was 2019. And uh, we did the bucket drumming together for the whole summer. Wow. Yeah. I remember that. Yes, up to from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. class. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, perfect. So um, before uh, we jump in, uh, into today's episode, uh, today we're going to actually be talking about mental health. And just a disclaimer, um, this is just us going to be talking about this um topic based off of uh, our own experiences we're not professionals and it's just us having a conversation very general conversations on the topic exactly like our goal is just to be able to have organic and honest open conversations about mental health based off of off of our own experiences and again like I studied psychology in school and that's what I majored and graduated with but again I don't like preach and I don't claim to be a mental health professional. I'm just someone who's experienced what it's like to struggle with mental health and again, to share my experiences. Perfect, that was amazing. All right, okay. I'm just gonna be starting off by just, you know, opening the conversation by this question that was always, you know, very important for me. So Jackie, uh, what is that um, one thing that, people should know about mental health? That just one basic thing. I think the one basic thing that everyone should know about mental health is that it's not linear. There's no ever point in time where you're just going to be like, I'm good all the way through. Like there's never ever going to be any downfalls or even when I'm down, it's like, I'm not always going to be down. The thing about mental health is there's always going to be some sort of highs and lows. And we just have to find our way to as much neutral ground as possible. We're not trying to find extreme happiness or euphoric joy all the time. What we're trying to find is just a nice medium balance between all the hardships in life and all the extreme high moments. Oh, wow. Perfect. And do you think that people talk about mental health enough? I think that we are talking about it more over the years. The conversation has been a lot more prominent. People are starting to talk about their experiences more, which is really, really important. But there's still a lot of mental illnesses and a lot of um, symptoms and things that are still stigmatized and things that are still taboo that we still need to touch upon. And especially, I think that there's still so much more room for growth and development within um, 
treatment for mental health and just, uh, I can't think of the word. It's kind of like, just there, there, there is more room for development within mental health in, in terms of like government funding and government aid. Yes, I, I actually uh, agree. And you know how over here, um, you know, if you wanna go uh, for counseling or therapy, you have to pay. Yeah. And I was always a little iffy about that because, you know, well, when we were a university student, it was free for us, you know, yeah. because our university provided that. But a lot of people do not have access to those things that we did. So, exactly. and I feel like this is something that kind of should be, okay, maybe not free, but it shouldn't be as expensive as it is because a lot of people would need to have a therapy, like a therapist to, you know, get them going with their lives. Yeah, especially privatized, um, privatized therapy and privatized treatment is very, very expensive. And even to steer away from just therapy in general, like I find that access towards rehabilitation and those kinds of things, like when it comes to mental health and addictions, like that is so inaccessible towards people who are maybe low-income family households or even people who are homeless like there's so it's so inaccessible towards a lot of the community within not just Toronto but within like like I think a lot of the world it it is very inaccessible but yeah so I I do agree it there is a lot of room for for development there and um so there are a lot of misconceptions about mental health. Mm-hmm. What are the ones that you know about? Like what are those misconceptions about mental health that you, you, you know about and then it kind of like caught you thinking, oh, that's not it. That's not it. Um, I definitely think that when it comes to personality disorders or things that kind of have like a a twinge of a a scarier name to it um like schizophrenia or personality disorder or even like borderline personality disorder stuff like that like it it sounds a lot more daunting than it really is and I find that a lot of people tend to get scared they're like oh people who have schizophrenia are aggressive right and that's 100% not true. Not everyone is aggressive. And that goes with borderline personality disorder and everything else that is within that spectrum. And I think also another misconception is just how like overall mental health looks because people think that like if you have depression, it's like a one size fits all glove or same with anxiety. It's like a one one size fits all glove. But the thing is like with mental health, because most of the time when you have a mental illness, you, you tend to, it's tend to be accompanied with like a cocktail of other mental illnesses, right? So not everyone's going to look the same. Maybe someone who has anxiety also has ADHD or OCD or depression, or maybe someone just has anxiety and depression, or maybe someone has borderline personality disorder 
anxiety and depression. These are all things that contribute to how your anxiety is going to look, right? Maybe for some people, it's more of a mental battle, whereas for other people, it might be more of a physical battle. Like I might have the jitters more or I might have difficulty breathing versus some people just maybe it's like the overthinking that kind of gets in the way of their everyday life. But definitely, I think those two are my most highly thought about misconceptions when it comes to mental health. Exactly. I I agree. And uh, you mentioned anxiety. And uh, one thing that always, it was a big question mark for me, how so many people, you would be surprised, like a lot of people do not know what an anxiety attack is. Mm -hmm. And based I don't know, uh, based off your uh, experience, if someone asks you what is anxiety attack, how would you explain it to them? Well, again, I think an anxiety attack looks different to everybody. But in my own previous experience, when I've had an anxiety attack, um, when I've had an anxiety attack, basically what it looked like was a lot of hyperventilating. Well, mentally I was kind of overwhelmed by fear. It could be fear for the future, fear for the past. It's mainly a big umbrella of fear. And then there's a lot of hyperventilation, possible like sweating, tremors. I tended to get like, um, muscle muscle cramps or like a kind of tension so my fingers and my hands would kind of tense up and would turn into like claws or I wouldn't be able to stand I'd have to sit right because my body would tense up and I wouldn't be able to control my muscle contractions um so that's kind of where the notion of like uh shaking comes from or like the rigidity of anxiety sometimes your muscles tense and it's it's freeze it's like a freeze mode, like fight or flight. And um, yeah, so I think that anxiety can look like that. Yes. Um, thank you for also sharing your experience because, you know, I know it's not easy for people to talk about their experiences. I, so I appreciate it a lot. Again, mm-hmm. thank you. Also, um, one thing that always, I always like experience within my own family um, is that when it comes to mental health, anxiety, stress, there's that thing between like younger generation and like older generation. Because sometimes uh, when I used to talk about, well, I'm very stressed over school because, you know, school was always stressful for me. And um, there was there's this thing I've, okay, for me it was, okay, I need to graduate. And I need to do all this in English. So, you know, for someone who's, you know, no English as their second language, it was like double the struggle for me. So when I used to talk about it, they're like, oh my God, no, uh, you're just overthinking. Uh, Nah, stop saying you have stress because, you know, you don't have stress. But if you keep telling you have stress, you're gonna end up having stress. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that, the older generation, a lot of, you know, a lot of them are very well aware of it, but a lot of them, again, try to really not 
get into it. Why do you think that is? I don't think that it's, I don't think it's necessarily that they don't try to get into it. I think it's more so that um, they don't know how to get into it. They weren't taught all the ways to communicate about stress and anxiety the way that we have been taught and taught to acknowledge and to, to talk about things, right? Like to be able to communicate and have that conversation is a skill. And especially going to York, like we've learned so much about the importance of vocabulary and conver conversation and val validating someone else's experiences. Like these are all things that weren't um, firsthand nature for a lot of our parents, because especially growing up in a completely different country, a completely different like civilization. Like it's kind of, it's not something that was on the forefront of their mind. In the same way, a lot of times I get the question of why do you think that there's so many more cases of mental illness now than there ever was before? What I always say is that back then it wasn't a prominent thing that was being studied. It wasn't something that people were consciously aware of. So what it is is that now that we're aware and now that we're learning more and studying it more we're able to recognize and acknowledge symptoms and illnesses when we see them versus before they didn't know what they were looking for right and that leads you to having more and more numbers of more and more people having mental illnesses or struggles with mental health right and so sorry, back to your question, I don't think it's necessarily about the fact that they don't want to get into it. I think it's that they don't know how to get into it. And in that way, like when they were younger, right, they were overcome with so many different struggles. And for them, stress probably looked like bringing food to the table for their family, right, making sure that they stayed alive a lot of their life was survival mode so when they see things that are kind of more social stress social anxiety or or things that are more not um not functional kind of survival they think you know what don't stress about it it's not that stressful and especially with education being more prominent there's more need for students to be stressed about anxiety versus back then how many people did you really know that went to school or were able to have access to education right yeah. so all of these things like when it comes to culture and especially like time it, it does play a huge role in in mental health and psychology and and all the stuff that we experience now Yes, actually, yeah, you, you have a good point. Um, also, I know a lot of times that um, I know people that talked about their experiences mm -hmm. and for them, like PTSD, they only, a lot of people just only assume that people who went to the war, they have PTSD, but yeah. anyone could have PTSD from little experiences. Yeah, exactly. So now PTSD is obviously becoming a lot more broad, like people who are survivors of sexual assault, people who have been through very traumatic experiences that have altered the way that they interact within day-to-day -day activities or day-to-day -day social living, like that would be considered PTSD, right? And so, yeah, even when you think about it, like think about culturally, like 
all the all the cultural differences between mental health in western like western countries versus eastern culture eastern countries or like Asian countries versus like um, South Africa or, you know, it's all different because we all go through, we all have different norms, right? And we all have different um, things that we go through on a day-to-day basis or different stresses. And so that's why um, one of the biggest things that we study in psychology is cultural psychology. How does that affect us? Like um, how does mental health or mental illness look different for someone who's indigenous versus someone who's just straight Canadian, right? Or sorry, rather, how is it different for someone who's indigenous versus someone who's East Asian, right? That's a bigger difference, right? And so when you study that, you're able to understand that and and respect or almost like have, um, you're able to have more appreciation for the differences and the perspectives that are brought from different cultures. Yes, yes, I, I agree because even um, like when, when I moved here, um, I still um, I still noticed my anxiety back in Iran. But like when I moved here, like I noticed it more because I remember that I started getting a little panicky in drama class mm-hmm. because um, as my first class, as an ESL student, they gave me drama. <laughs> I don't know why, because, you know, drama is a lot of talking. And for someone who's an ESL student, it's like, it's like such a, you know, almost, yeah. it's too much. So I remember like, there was this game we used to play that how someone starts a story and then the other one continues. And then it was, it was my turn. And I froze. And Jackie, I just, I was sitting still. And I was like sweating, I was shaking and I didn't know like what was happening. I was like, why am I sweating? I'm like, I'm not even moving. And that was my first time experiencing it. And then and yeah. I and I went home and I had to like kind of like talk to my parents. And then they told me that like, oh, you were overwhelmed. Of course I was overwhelmed. But then again, when I moved to university, it was such a it was it was really good to know that there were uh people that I could talk to and um again it's it's different it's just like you said it was very different in Iran how I experienced you know my stress and it's very different than how I experienced it here like for the past 10 years or so mm-hmm. so thank you you explained it perfectly and um also for our kind of last question so um what are some tips you could share with us today? Uh, f- like for someone that wants to start educating themselves on mental health. Mm-hmm. So what are some tips you want to share? Um, so one of my top, top, like I cannot stress it enough is so important is building a plan. And I think that even for me, when I was first struggling with mental health, building a plan was like the last thing that I wanted to do because sometimes when you're in it, all you want to do is just, it's not necessarily that you want to sit in it in your pain, but it, it was just like, you know what, what's the point of me building a plan? if it's not going to work or like it, it was very kind of like pessimistic thinking, but um, the number one thing that I will always say is build a plan. 
And when I say build a plan, I mean, find things that can ground you. And everyone's going to look different. Like some people are going to bite a lemon, right? When they're having a panic attack or some people want to dip their face in water, ice cold water. For me, it's like sitting down, being able to find my breathing again, kind of doing box breathing or doing a little bit of a deep breathing, meditation, that kind of stuff. Like you have to find what works for you in grounding yourself so that that way, once you ground yourself, you can bring yourself back to a neutralized state, right? And then following through with the plan, you have to create a support system. Who do you feel comfortable sharing these experiences with? Who do you feel comfortable and not judged by talking to about all the things that you're going through right now, all the things that are causing you anxiety, stress, depression, PTSD, you name it, right? Like you need to be able to have a support system. And then lastly, like if it's available and if it's accessible to you, trying to include therapy or even group therapy into your day-to-day life because you know what maybe one-on-one is too intense for you but maybe being able to sit in a circle and hear that other people are going through similar experiences is going to be great for you so that kind of stuff is all important so I would say one build a plan and then the second most important thing I would say is there's a saying called small but certain happiness So I remember when I was in my like third or second year of university, I was living in residence and my Don used to always tell me um, that he noticed whenever I got really, really happy, I would drop and be really, really sad. And the reason why is because when you're happy, the drop feels so much higher than if you were just neutral. And so he would always tell me, find a balance, find a balance. And I thought I understood until more recently when I heard the small but certain happiness quote. And that to me helped me understand what he was saying on a much deeper level. So small but certain happiness is finding joy in the small things every day. So even on bad days, you can still find small but certain happiness so things that you will always 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 find comfort in it doesn't mean that you have to feel euphoric but it means that you'll find comfort in it and it makes you happy so for me one of those things is like having a nice cup of tea right it feels good it feels warm good for the body very soothing that's small but certain happiness or even getting to spend 10 seconds extra in bed before you wake up, small but certain happiness. And so little things like that, again, back to the first thing that I was saying before, helps you find a more neutralized place within, you know, your ups and downs with mental health. Because life, like every day, you don't know what things are going to throw at you. You might have something really bad happen, right? But what's going to help you bring that really bad back to the neutral? You're not trying to be happy again. You're just trying to find that place where you're like, I'm okay. And it's okay to be okay. Yes, honestly, I, I agree. And also one thing that I feel like it, it has helped me throughout the years was just like writing my feelings down. Yeah. Because you know um, how sometimes um, people just like sit there, like especially like me, 
like I just sit there and I'm if I'm like thinking about like 10 things at the same time I like to just write them down so it's like not at all in my head and I've been I've been writing journals since I was in grade seven and grade seven towards grade 10 they're all in Farsi but um and like now that I read them I'm like wow like little small things that was such a big deal for me and then um throughout for the past like four years you know with you know just uh university relationships friendships and like now that I look back at it I'm like wow I was at like a I was at this like stage that I thought I'm stuck like I'm never gonna be happy it's just not gonna be like over like it's gonna continue but then here I am I, I graduated, you know, I, some friendships and that I, I found new friends. So I think it's just important to kind of like write down the stuff that you're going through. So when you look back at them, you, you know, you realize you found that courage to like keep going, you know, I'm upset, but it's okay. Okay, exactly. And that's why I always tell people that like, the way you ground yourself looks really different, right? Some people do physical things. Some people like writing and writing not only again, gives you that perspective that you were talking about where you can look back and be like, wow, like I'm in such a different place now. It's also being able to process the thoughts that you have, because sometimes, right. When you have anxiety, you're so heightened and so elevated, like you're in such an elevated state that it's hard for you to be able to truly sit and understand what it is that you're feeling. If you're able to write it down, you can later on go back and be like, you know what? I do understand why I was having anxiety. I do understand why I was going through that spot because you know what? Maybe I was having anxiety about school. Maybe I was having anxiety about my relationship or maybe like, you know, I was having anxiety about my future and where I saw myself. 10 years from now. So being able to write things down so that you can process it and understand it a lot better later on is so crucial and important. I know that like, I personally started journaling after I went through a really, really tough breakup. And now it's a skill that I still use to this day. And I would never ever like, I thank myself so much for journaling because now I write down my thoughts every day and I kind of am able to process how yesterday was for me or even how today was for me and that's so important perfect yes also um yeah what you said that that made perfect sense and thank you again for sharing all your stories and your experiences I appreciate it a lot and thank you all for listening I hope Y'all can relate to anything that Jackie and I talked about. And I hope that uh, this can help someone or inspire someone to, to be better. And yes, so I wish, I wish you guys the best. Stay safe. And thank you again, Jackie. Any final words? Um. Anyways, yeah, I, I do also hope that you guys find a lot of comfort in these words and that you're not alone. Um, I'm sure Kiana and I are both just to reach away. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I was so, so thankful that you reached out to me and put me on the, the podcast. It means a lot. No problem. Of course. Thank you again. And I hope you guys having an amazing day. Appreci- appreciate you always, Kiana.